We deal with all types of topics, subjects, directions. Some of them are more uh, mystical. Some of them are more prayerful. Some of them are more evangelistic. Today, I want you to, to really think practical, and I want you to think futuristic, and I want you to think just logically. And, and what we're going to talk about are the people that I must have in my life. The people that I must have in my life. Not the people you do have. Now think about the five best friends, the five closest friends you have right now. The five people that you would say, now these people are on my, on my speed dial. These people are, you know, if, if I look up my phone, these are the people I talk to. These are the people I... Who would they be? Do you even have any? Are you just a lone ranger? And whatever you come up with in your brain must be right because nobody's arguing with me. It's got to be right. <laughs> got to be right. Nobody said it was wrong. What is, what is your system? What is your style? And so let me give you a few quotes from people who are very successful, and, and, and maybe that'll kind of start us off as we, as we move this morning, as you turn in your Bibles to Proverbs 13. And Proverbs 13, 15 through 20 is where we will jump into this thought. So let's just read a few of these quotes. This is one. If we surround ourselves with people who are successful, who are forward-moving, who are positive, who are focused on producing results, who support us, it will change us to be more and do more and share more. If you can surround yourself with people who will never let you settle for less than you can be, you have the greatest gift that anyone could hope for. Another successful person. The quality of a person's life is most often a direct reflection of the expectations of their peer group. One said this, We all get what we tolerate in ourselves and in other people. In other words, I hate my friends. Well, then quit being friends. What you tolerate becomes normal to you. Here's what one said, the only thing that changes our life long term is when we raise our own standards. Number five says this, whatever you do in life, surround yourself with smart people who will argue with you. That successful person was John Wooden, one of the most successful basketball coaches that ever lived. Think about just that statement. Whatever you do in life, of all the things you do in life, number one, you better surround yourself with smart people who will argue with you. I made a living out of this. People telling me what I should do and how I should do it, and people always telling me, here's a better way. If I don't do it from other people, I'm looking online for people to tell me what I'm doing wrong. It is this innate ability. Here's what Mark Twain says. Keep away from people who try to belittle your ambitions. Small people always do that. But the reality, but really great people make you feel that you too can become great. Another one said, surround yourselves with those who only lift you higher. Said it's better to hang out with people better than you. Pick out associates whose behavior is better than yours. And you'll drift in that direction. You are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Think of those five people we talked about. You're average to them. You're just normal. 
you're in the middle of the pack. People inspire you or they drain you. Pick them wisely. I like that. You ever notice how some people can walk in the room, and the moment they're walking in the room, you're just like, oh, Lord, this is going to take some energy. And if they're your friends, why? You wouldn't, you wouldn't want them in the boat with you if you were canoeing, but they're your friends. Go with me to Proverbs, and let's just be biblical about all this. I don't want you to think this is a worldly sermon. Just something I pulled out of the clarion ledger. Here's what Proverbs says. Good understanding gains favor. So what I'm giving you this morning is good understanding. But the way of the unfaithful is hard. If your life is hard and struggling and difficult, then understand there's a reason for it. Here's what he says. Every prudent man acts with knowledge. Every prudent man acts with knowledge. He gains knowledge. The Bible makes it very clear how we do that. A wise man takes much counsel. Knowledge is not wisdom. Knowledge is the accumulation of information. The first thing you have to have an ability to do is to take in much information. Some that will agree, some will disagree. Some you'll like, some you will dislike. But it is all information that is heading you into a place where you with wisdom can always make accurate decisions. This is not mystical, this is practical. Every prudent man acts with knowledge, but a foolish but a fool lays open his folly. A wicked messenger falls into trouble, but a faithful ambassador brings what? Health. Poverty and shame will come to them who disdains what? Notice how all these problems are coming because of why? Because you don't surround yourself with the correct people that can help and grow you, instead you find the comfortable places. And he says there's not an accident why you are and becoming what you're becoming. You're an average of the people you hang out with. If you watch Fox News all the time and that's where you get all your information, you will be a grumpy person. Because everybody on the TV is grumpy. Think about it. Poverty and shame will come to you who disdain correction. But he who regards a rebuke will be... In other words, when somebody corrects you, ah, there must be something in that. Something somebody saw. I know you don't want to hear this sermon. We would much rather go back to the praise music and... And let's just all feel good about ourselves. But this is what will help you Monday through Saturday. And as I broke, break into this, let it sink. This is important. I don't know why this is so important. 
that God for weeks has been wrestling this in me and I've been talking about preaching this and talking about preaching this and even people around me, I've been saying, there's the three levels of people you got to have in your life, three levels of people. And God just like, like I'm like, God, why do I keep coming out of my mouth? He said, because it's important. Do you have the three levels of people in your life that make you successful? A desire accomplished is sweet to the soul. But it is an abomination to fools who depart to depart from. In other words, an unwise person says, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. Even, even if it, it's foolish, I'm still going to just keep doing what I'm doing. Than to have the sweet moment of success that I would love to have. Here's what he says. He who walks with wise men will be Say it out loud. He who walks with wise men will be wise. But he, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. And it doesn't mean that your life will fall apart. It just means you will never accomplish or reach or feel that thing you're wanting to feel because you're always just short of it. It's never quite attainable. Success can be a multitude of things. But one thing's for sure, you know when you're successful. And you know then when you're not. Because of the friend group that you reach around and have around you, it becomes more obvious and more obvious every single day. Now, let's go and let me show you the three groups this morning. This sermon is not going to be long. I just need to get this out of me. Is that okay? Okay. And you can do with it what you want to after you're done. You can just go sit by yourself on the couch and figure out why my life is so... I've done all I can do. Number one group that you have to have in your life is you have to have mentors. You have to have mentors. Or if you want to call it this way, you've got to have role models in your life. Here's some of the questions that you need to be asking when you're talking about putting people in your life. What does this person add to my life? If you don't add anything to my life, we won't hang out very much. If, if you're not bringing anything positive, bringing anything creative, bringing anything futuristic, we probably are not going to be hanging out a whole lot. Let me give you a phrase real quick that will help you. And I'm going to give you several of these during this, this sermon because these are things that click in my mind when I'm around people. When I'm around people, these are clicking all the time. So when this person walks up, it's clicking. When this person starts talking, it's clicking. When this person says, here's what I want to talk about, it's clicking. Number one is this. Do they remind me of my future or do they remind me of my past? If you come up and start spending time with me, do you remind me of where I'm supposed to be going or do you constantly remind me of where I've been? Some of you hang out with friends that remind you all the time. It doesn't matter if y'all been together for 20 years. If y'all go sit together on the couch watching some ball game, the first thing they're going to bring up is, you remember how we used to do it? Yeah, that was 20 years ago, idiot. 
I want to know what you're doing now. Where we're going tomorrow. Tell me something new that's going on. I know it sounds harsh, but listen to me. You're either going to sit on the couch and talk about what used to be and what could have been and listen to 1970 music. Or you're going to be in the room with someone who says, you remind me of where I'm supposed to be. You remind me of the person I'm supposed to be. You challenge me to be better than what I am. This is important because no matter how much preaching I do and how much spirituality you do, it's just like I tell people, I can't raise your kids. Why? Because I get them for two to five hours a week. You get them for all those extra hours. Whoever you're hanging with and putting the influence in your life, it will eventually, like dripping water, become the biggest effect of your life. So the people you choose is very important for my Sundays. And it's very important for my Wednesdays. Because if you've been hanging around negative, Fox News, CNN, if you've been hanging around YouTubing and all you do is Facebook everybody else's life and everything, and then you come sit down with that bad, grumpy attitude, thinking about what should have been, could have been, might have been, how bad life is, and I've got to try to get you in two hours back to normal, that's work. Some of y'all work with people like that. It's like, oh, Lord. Do they remind me of my future or my past? Here's another question. When I'm around them, do I have a better version of myself? When I'm around them, are they dragging me back to a bar? Are they trying to get me to lie about something, sneak around? Are they trying to to drag me down? Or do they make me a better version? When I say, hey, we ought to do this, they look at you and like, you don't want to be doing that. Tim, don't talk like that. Do they make you a better version of yourself? Do they build you up or do they break you down? Do they help you see things from different perspectives? This is the irritation part. This is what I think we ought to do. Tim, think about this now. That probably would not be a smart thing to do. Do they cause irritation by bringing into my life the different perspectives that my one set of eyes do not see? Mentors are, by nature, they're not your friends. Go ahead and just write this down. Mentors are not your friends. That's not their role in your life. The purpose of their life is you don't even have to like them. I've had a bunch of mentors through my life, and I've had multiple mentors as we've grown and, and, and go. Lot, some of them I didn't even like. Some of them I brought here you didn't even like. I remember bringing one during a season of my life and, and, and still good friends with this person. But they are cocky. I mean, there's just no other way about it. But 
at that time in my life, we were coming from Jones Street and Bank Street, and, and we were moving here, and I still was trying to wrestle out this poverty mentality, this, oh, you know, we're just going to try to make the best we can. We, you know, we ain't no sense in getting good chairs. Let's just get what we can afford. I mean, I was struggling in that poverty mentality and, 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 and just being able to say, no, we're, we're going to go for the best. We're going we're gonna to do everything with excellence. We're going to, instead of just saying, well, you know, we can get by with this, and, 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 and I got around this guy, and, and I had had my little Honda 1300 boy, and I was, I was bad to the bone. Well, he, he has a Harley, fat boy. And he'll let you know, got a Harley fat. He, he's friends with the Harley dealer in town. And when he came and visited our church years ago, and this was in the old building, you know, when he came, to, he didn't just come, he come in a hum, Hummer. I mean, not, not the cheap Hummer. I'm talking about the one that gets four miles to the gallon, and he drove all the way from the other side of nearly Atlanta. Pulled up in a, not just a Hummer, but he had borrowed the trailer from the Harley dealer. Has Harley all over the side of the trailer. And, and he's got his fat boy in the back. And he comes rolling up in there, parked it in the front, and said, Tim, let's go ride. And I'm thinking, you need to pull that trailer around the back, man. Everybody right here is going to think. And I spent, I spent several years with him. And every time I would say, well, Tim, you need to come over here. Jesse Duplantis is going to be preaching at my church. And we, we'll go and we'll go get on his airplane and see what it looks like. And I'm thinking, I don't, I don't, now don't get me wrong, some of the stuff was just overboard. But there was a part of that that I needed to be around to be able to hold my head up and say, it's all right to have some things, it's all right to be successful. It's, it's all right to, to do something well and to achieve in it. How many people you know don't even want to achieve because, well, if I do that, my brothers and sisters will talk about me or somebody else will say something. No. You've got to finally reach a point. Hang around the people. Mentors are people that come into your life that are role models to you in areas of your life you're not good at. If you've got areas you're not good at, then you need role models in those areas. If you're an introvert, you need a role model who's an extrovert. You don't need more introverts in your life all sitting around the TV together. You need extroverts that say, hey, get up, we're going to go do this. I don't want to do that. I know. I know you don't want to do it. That's why most of the friends in my life are extroverts. I don't need more introverts. That'd be the worst thing you could bring into my life is more introverts. I, I like all of us just sitting around looking at each other, not wanting to do nothing, wishing that we each other wasn't even in the room. I wish you were not even in this room. No, I married an extrovert. Tim, let's do this. Tim, let's do that. Tim, let's go here. Tim, I hate all of it. but it's good for me. It's taught me how to travel, how to go, how to... I mean, the first time I ever got on an airplane, I mean, I, I would have never got on an airplane. Never. That's crazy. Get on some hunk of metal pushed by an engine. What if the engine quits? <laughs> it's going down. <laughs> but Elise, this extrovert, she knows the one thing I love. Used to a whole lot back when I was young and 
and just kept up with sports a lot was Penn State. Penn State was my team. And she bought tickets to Penn State, but not a game that we could drive to. It was a game in Pennsylvania. Well, we're going to have to fly. Oh! Extroverts come into your life if you're an introvert. If you're quiet, then they're going to be loud. If they're, isn't it amazing how you usually marry that person? I think that's part of the irritation you have. Look at the person beside you if you're married and say, you're an irritation to me. But it's good. You got to get used to that. You're an irritation to me. Because what's comfortable to me, you are not. But it's okay because you need to be in my life to make me better than what I am. That's why your, your, your married partner doesn't always have to be your best friend. If you're married long enough, you'll know, yeah, that's true. I'd much rather talk to my friend on the phone than I would my husband or my wife. Why? Because they're like you. Because when you're talking to them, it's like, well, you understand what I'm saying. Oh, I understand completely what you're Well, I'm glad. They don't get it. We're much more comfortable when we're around people who are like us. But they don't make us a better version of ourselves. They do not talk about our future. They just keep us held into our past or our present. Listen, what does this person, when you're talking about a mentor, what are they meant to add to your life? Don't worry about whether they're your best friend or they're this. What are they meant to add to your life? When I'm, I'm with my mentors, I know we had pastor, uh, my pastor come here. He's my mentor. He'll call me buddy. Tim's my buddy. He don't talk to me like I'm his buddy. Tim, let's talk. I remember the last, uh, and I can recall all of them. And he, and he gets tickled because he's like, you still remember all that? I remember 15 years, 20 years worth of just, don't do this. Don't do that. Hey, you better be careful there. I remember the last time me and Elise went, we sat in his office and, and, and the church was, was, was starting to take off in a lot of ways. And he said, you got two things, Tim, you need to know. And I was like, all right. And I was just sitting there with a pen and paper, man. I'm like, okay, here comes this enormous knowledge that I'm going to get. And I'm going to write three series out of this thing. He says, pennies and panties. Pennies and panties. He said, let me tell you something, Tim, but two things can mess your world up now, son. He said, you get to loving money more than what you do, you get to worry about pennies. And he said, you get to taking your wife for granted, and you start worrying about panties. And if you think of any preacher that grows and becomes larger, guess what kills them? Either the money or they done had an affair. And I'm thinking, that's so brilliant. I can't preach it, but it's brilliant. you preach that that's a mentor you remember what they say it, it, it hurts it's like duh and, and at the same time it's what comes back into your memory all the time Paul was a mentor 
Go with me to, to 2 Timothy 4, 6, and 7. Paul is a role model. That's why when Paul is talked about in the Bible, he's the pastor of all these churches. He's the leader. He's, he's, he's this discipler. He's somebody who goes finds people. He's, he's this incredible guy that's bigger than life. I mean, he just, he just, John Mark, don't do right. So he just tells him, John Mark, get the heck out of here. I mean, I mean he just, he just like, I can't use this guy. I mean, t- think how many pastors would look at somebody and say, you need to leave. Can't use you. You're no good. That's a mentor. That's why Paul struggled a lot of times in certain situations. Because he was never genteel. He was like, here's where we need to be. Here's how you get here. Do I need to come? Hey, don't make me come. Here's what 2 Timothy says. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I finished the race. I have kept the faith. Does that sound like somebody you'd want to follow? Yes. He says, I don't care what you think about me, whether you like me or not. Look at my track record. Look at what I did. Look at how I do it. Am I successful? Good. There's a reason why I'm successful. Your mentors are probably not going to be the, 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 the clerks at McDonald's. You got to find people that are out of your league. They're above you, whether it's whether it's scripturally, whether it's it's relationally, whether whatever it is that you need, you need at least two to three mentors in the three weakest areas of your life. Find three areas that you do. You talk too much, find somebody who knows how to keep their mouth shut. And say, Would you teach me how not to keep opening and saying dumb things all good? You say, Bro, you believe that? I've had that mentor. I've been around very smart people who don't talk a lot, and I've had to learn how to. All of these areas that I've grown over 40-something years of following Christ has not been just me sitting by myself with a Bible with a cup of coffee. It has been the friction, the iron sharpening iron, the friction between mentors and those that they mentor. Let me say it this way when you're trying to identify a mentor. Identify, number one, what area you need mentoring the most. If I was to ask you right now, what is the weak area of your life? Don't say you don't got one, because if you come to me, I'll tell you what it is. Find the weak area of your life, the area you struggle. Create a list of possible mentors. Some of them are given to you. You have pastors, teachers, to all these people in your life through the church. I said once a week we come and we do what? We celebrate and we learn and we grow. That's wonderful. That's why we will continue to offer even more classes and to breaking up groups and doing this. Why? Because what I want more than anything else is I want you to be able to move and transition and realize that's what I need right now. Maybe right now I need to learn more about revelations. I've been waking up in the middle of the night, scared to death that the world's coming to an end. I need to know more. That's great. It, it may be different areas of your life. There is no one person, one, two, three people. It is the ability to keep saying at this moment, where am I weak and who can help me become stronger. Number three, start big. Start big. Well, I know that person wouldn't. How do you know? Because I'm going to tell you something. Usually the bigger the person, the more they love to teach what they've learned. 
when I, when I go to different churches or when I met Jensen Franklin or T.D. Jakes or whoever I met through the years, those people are never mean people. They're, 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 they're just like oozing with wanting to just find somebody who... But if I walk up to T.D. Jakes and say, well, you know, I got a church. That relationship's going nowhere. I've got to come with an idea of the right questions to say, man, you are good at this. You are good at this. I've watched you. Tell me how you, how you do this. Oh, damn, well, that's not a problem. I do this and this. Man, would it be all right if, 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 if you ever have, I could spend some time just what? Man, love to. Hey, we'll get together. That's the way these people talk. Why? Because they, they've spent a lot of energy and time becoming good at something, and they don't want to just die with it. That's why your parents spank you, get on to you, and tell you sometimes, I'm not your friend. You know why? Because their role in your life is to pass on the information that they know. Do they get mad about pass? No, the happiest you'll ever make your parent is when you say, Hey, Dad, could you teach me this? Son, absolutely, man. I mean, you'll, you'll, watch, you'll watch Tim Lott light up like a, like a, if my sons call me or my daughter says, Dad, can you help me with this? Man, yeah, absolutely. You want to make me mad is when I'm watching you do something wrong and I'm like, you know, you, you might want to try. I know what I'm doing. Okay. We ain't got nothing left to talk about. Why? Because I'm not your friend. I'll sit here and watch you fail. And then I'll tell you, told you. Because what I'm trying to teach you is to understand certain people in your life are there to help you with the information you don't have. Write down, research, prepare for the contact, have the right questions. The second person you're going to have in your life, and I didn't mean this to be long, and it seems to be dragging, is you've got to have protégés. You've got to have protégés in your life. You've got to have Timothys in your life. Paul has to have a Timothy. Barnabas has a Mark. All throughout, you will find that part of becoming the person you want to be is you have to have people above you, mentoring you. Always, you're the small one in the room. If you enter most rooms and you're not the small one in the room, you're always in the wrong room. I, I love going into the room, I'm the smallest. I love it. But there are times I have to walk in the room and I'm on the opposite end. I'm the one that has the responsibility. I'm the one that, that, that I have a whole church of people that I'm responsible for. Just like Paul said a while ago, I, I've offered my life up as a drink offering. Everything I do, every way that I live, everything is for one thing, for you to have a role model so that you can say, is that right? Is that the way I should do it? And those of you that are in that field and range, you know the weight of that, of people who watch you, people who, who, who listen to but you need in your life, secondly, those people who are in your circle who look up to you. Go with me to Acts 16, 1 and 2. Here's what we know about this relationship, and I'm not going to spend a great deal of time. Then he came to Derby and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there. So there's this young man, 
He's, he's, he believes in Jesus. He's given his life to, to Christ. Not very knowledgeable, but, but learning. Named Timothy, the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed. So he has, he has a background of Sunday school, of learning the Bible stories, of all the... He, he, he's, he knows the Torah. He knows the Old Testament. He's, he's been a student in Jewish life. And yet his mother has become a believer. So now he has this new thing entered into his life. And this young man, this, this 20-something-year-old man, all of a sudden has now this, 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 this nuance of, okay, there's this new thing that I don't understand as well, but I want to. Who believed... But his father was Greek. So his father is not a believer. Some of y'all are like, man, I wish I was this. Listen, if you come from a mixed up home, that's not an oddity. If there's one believer and one that doesn't believe, many times that is normal. Don't, don't put a check by, well, I can't. Timothy's sitting there and he said, my dad's Greek. My dad, he believes in everything from Zeus to everything in the world. He, he loves all this fun stuff. He is, a, he is a Comic-Con fan. I mean, he loves anything that, that's, that's out there, believe out there, and, and, and anything. He loves the imagination stuff. And here's my mom who is grounded, and she is Jewish, and not only Jewish, but now she believes in this Jesus. And man, she is rooted and founded in her faith. And here's Timothy right there in the middle of it, and he's a disciple of all of that. And in the middle of all that, notice what happens. He was well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium. So all of a sudden, he has a good-hearted young man. He is someone who is, is, is teachable. He's someone who is saying, I'm looking for a mentor. I'm wanting to learn. I want to become better. See, some people you meet, they don't really want to become better. And, and, and they don't really want to learn. They don't really want anymore. They just want to get by with what they have. But this is not Timothy. Timothy is someone who marks the, the checks to be a protege. He has a desire to grow, a desire to be better, a desire. If, if somebody came along and saw you, would that be the attitude that they would pick up from you. That, hey, here's someone who wants to be better. Here's someone who wants to learn. Here's someone, if I walk into a mechanic shop, my dad had one major flaw. One that kept hurting him over and over in his life. My dad could walk into a mechanic shop. A guy had been a mechanic 35 years. And my dad could look one time over the hood and tell him well, exactly what was wrong with it. And I'm thinking, Dad, don't talk. You use a hammer to change oil in a lawnmower. And you're trying to tell this mechanic how to fix a BMW. I'm thinking, Dad, no, don't do that. Don't do that, Dad. And so growing up in that, I realized, man, that is not the posture. So even when somebody doesn't do anything totally right, my dad had a great heart, great man, great pastor, great. But sometimes he would just, oh. Even my mom, sometimes she just get tickled like D-Wit. And I think, oh, he, he's D-Wit. You can't, you can't fix D-Wit. But one of the flaws was my dad never, never really saw anybody, whether it was just growing up in where he grew up, growing up as a sharecropper, growing up wanting to be, you didn't want anybody to see your weaknesses. Growing up in big families, you get picked at for any weakness. I understand all that. But it held him back his whole life. Because he never entered the room with a mindset of an attitude that I just want to learn. 
I just want to learn. If I walk into a mechanic shop, I'm like, dude, y'all are good. How, what did the world are you doing there? Listen, this is, you, you hear me belittle myself a lot. I'm not smart. I'm this. I'm that. Why do I do that? Because what I want to know is I want to know will you open up and share the information that you've got about what you... If I walk to the, go to the fire station there in Morton, I'm not going to walk around like, well, you know, Joel, I put out a bunch of fires. I'm not, I remember one time I had a grass fire. I had to put... I'm like, Joel, what does this thing do? How does this thing... What's the fire rating on this? I'm going to ask a lot of questions. Why? Because I want to position myself where that person wants to share information. Sometimes I'm the mentor. Sometimes I'm the one sitting behind the desk and people are like, will you give me information? But I would much rather in my life, because I'm a disciple, the word disciple just means a learner. Because I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ, learning is my DNA. I want to learn. I want to learn the best way to say it, the best way to do it. I want to learn. Just, just even this week, we, uh, we had to meet with a young lady. And, and, and just, just listening, just, just, I mean, that's, that's the beauty of life. Can I communicate? Can, I, can we transfer information? So important in your growth. And I, I, I could get stuck there and go a thousand different ways. Paul wanted, listen to this, Paul wanted to have him go on with him. I love that. Here's Paul, done told Mark, get lost. He's done, I mean, this, this guy is tough to be with. I don't know if I could have handled Paul. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not so big to say, oh, I'd love to walk with Paul. No. I mean, Paul would leave Timothy in one place and, and just say, look, I'm going on. You just stay here and keep preaching here. He said, I had three people killed. You're going to leave me here? Just keep preaching here. I'll call for you later. Six months later, hey, Timothy, come on, get on a boat. Come find me. And it's like, like I don't know. Is this guy all there? I mean, he's in prison. He's in jail for a reason. But Paul said, when I see Timothy, I see someone that I want to take with me. So the churches, listen, were strengthened in faith and increased in number daily. When you, when you have a good mentor and you have good protégés, growth is inevitable. If, if you want to know the one thing that All Seasons does, when other churches come and they're like, like what do y'all do? What is, it, is, it is not complicated. The ability to take someone who walks in the door and get them to a functioning disciple of Jesus Christ who can read their Bible, who can know right from wrong, who can make good decisions. It doesn't mean they don't fall sometimes. It doesn't mean we don't all make mistakes. But what it means is, is that they are healthily growing people. The more of those you can create, the faster your church goes. If, if I stand at the door every day saying, I wish God would send me 40 people, what are you going to do with them? You just want to be able to say, I got 40 people. Me, when I see them, I got 40 new problems. I got 40 new situations, 40 new backgrounds, 40 new marriage situations, 40 new kids, 40 new... I mean, I got, I got, Lord, have mercy. But it's okay. Because the beauty is, is that, man, what you can be, what you could do, the talent you have. Wow, if you gave that talent to God... 
And all of a sudden, you're looking at the protege and you're raising them. The third person, I mean, hurry. You need friends, partners. Now, real quickly, I'm not going to cover all the scripture in this, but I want to. There are people that are on your level. Look at the person beside you and tell them. Say, there are people that are on my level. People that I have to pick. I have to pick mentors. I have to choose the protégés that, that I think have the right spirit and the right attitude that I think that when I pour into them, they're going to spend the time listening. And then I have to have this group that I just like to have fun with and we journey together and we partner together. We're, it's no big eyes, little use. We're just, you know, I, I, we're just together in this thing. You're going to have a group of those. And let me explain to you very carefully the people you're looking for to add to this group. This is your friend group. Number one, you need encouragers in your friend group. You need Barnabases in your, you need encouraging people. Acts 4 and 36, Acts 11 and 24 talks about this man Barnabas who, who sells what he has and gives. He, he, he's the one that when Paul gives up on Mark, He's the one that says, no, 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 I'll take Mark with me. He's that friend that never gives up on you. It's always seeing the best. When you say, I can't do it. Oh, man, I've seen you go through tougher things than this. I've seen you do greater things than this. Of course you can do this. Do you have encouragers in your inner circle? Or do the people that you say, well, I, I did this. Well, that's just like you. I, I, I expected that. Have you surrounded yourself with encouragers, people who, when you, even when you said, man, I messed it up, it's okay to tell them why. Because they're like, hey, we're going to get this thing right. Hey, we're not going to stay here. We're not, gonna, we're not dying here. See, if you're going to be in that inner circle of my friends, then I've got to be able to be very honest and very open and very blunt with you and tell you, no, I'm not doing good right now. But you don't look at me and just say, well, that's too bad. And then you go share it on Pastor Lodge, about to commit suicide. No. You're the, you're the one that immediately when I say that, I don't mind you being in the room. Why? Because the moment I say that, you're going to turn around and say, it's going to be all right. Hey, this is just a season. You're going to get through this. Mentors can do this and friends can do this. Just like I talked about uh, Brother Smith being my mentor, every so often I'll get a text from him. And this is what it simply says. It doesn't say any more or any less. It just says, just wanted to let you know, I believe in Tim Lott. And to this day, I still cry when I hear that. Because he doesn't know many times what I'm going through, what I'm facing. But just to know there's somebody in the world that says, when I think of Tim Lott, I think of somebody who's going to make it. It never crosses my mind that you won't make it. Do you have those people in your life? Then you better find them. And it may not be the person you're, you're in the house with. It may not be the person. But you've got to find that friend group that are encouragers in your life who keep you moving forward 20, 30 years into whatever it is you're going to do. Barnabas is this encourager. You can study Barnabas. The second one, you've got to have servants in your life. Now, that doesn't mean that they're there to buy you food all the time or, or serve you, but it means they have a servant heart. They're always in the middle of the things, and if it comes to serving, let me ask it this way. 
Do you have someone in your group that if y'all get up from a table, they're the one that makes sure the table's cleaned up before you leave Wendy's? You done got up and, and like left the ketchup packs and done, done everything, and, and they get up and they're like, let me put these back. And, and, and they, they remind, hey, you better not throw that cup away now. You might want something to drink later. You need to get you, let me get you, let me put you some Coke in it. You have friends like that? They're, they're called servants. They don't wake up in the morning thinking, how am I going to get ahead? They wake up in the morning thinking, who can I love on and who can I care to make their life better? Because here's what a servant understands. It doesn't bother them to push you up the hill. Because here's what they know. The further you get up the hill, I get to go up the hill too. It doesn't bother me that I'm pushing you or you're in front or you're, I, I don't care. I just want to go up the hill and if pushing you gets us there, I'll get there. Ronnie, who is one of my, my good friends, that, that's what he says. And, and it stuck with me for years. And, 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 and he said, he said, you know why I push and we always pushing you. He said, because if you get there, we get there too. I used to think, thanks. But I understand it. I want to get there, but I, I'm a servant. I don't, I don't care anything about it. I just want, I want to be there. And if pushing you is how I get there, then that's okay. You need people in your life that, that are able to push you, that don't have no agenda. They just want to get there with you. The third person is you need a Nathan. A Nathan is one who speaks true love and truth into your life. This is the toughest friend you have and the most important friend you have. Remember what I told you? We love comfort. The other two aren't too bad. Somebody that's always picking up your ketchup packages and treating you good and getting your Coke when you forget it. I mean, those people you like. And you always love the person that even when you file up, they're always there. Oh, come on now. We're going to get there. We're going. You love those. But the, but the Nathans... The Nathans are the friends that are the tough ones. And here, here's the way it works. Go with me in your Bibles to a couple passages. 2 Samuel 7, 1 through 17. I don't have time to read it, but this is the first story where David has spent his whole life. The only dream he ever has is to build the temple. He wants to build the temple. 2 Samuel 7, 1 through 17. He wants to build the temple. He's done collected the stones, the lumber. He, I mean, he has... He, he just, oh, to build God's house. And God comes to Nathan one day and says, go tell David he's not going to get to do it. Do you want to be that friend? Do you want to be the friend that has to look at your, your partner and say, look, I don't see it. It's just not going to happen. And they're not doing it because they, they got some depressing spirit. They, they don't come with this criticism. It's just, God ain't saying it. I remember when Nathan, uh, uh, Terrence's first boy was brought into this world and cord was wrapped around his neck. And so he, he was born with already enormous issues. And for three to four days, Terrence would call me and any time we talked, he would ask the same question. What is God saying to you? 
And the hardest thing I had to look at him and say was he won't say nothing to me. He ain't saying, he's not saying anything, Terrence. And his head would go down and he'd be like, and I would go pray. I spent nights up there, almost two nights in the, in the NICU. would walk into the room, had permission to be able to walk in the room when I wanted to. And I'd go listen to a T.D. Jake sermon and go, get ready, get ready, get ready. I would try to get myself so got God's fixing to speak. And I'd walk in there and lay my hands through that little incubator. And i like, speak. Nothing. Terrence would show up the next day. How do you feel? I don't feel anything. I don't, I don't feel anything. There are times as friends, you have to be that one that says, here's what God is or isn't saying. When somebody says, I feel like God's called me to bus ministry. Look, I don't think you need to sell your house and go buy a bus. You just always try to be. No, no, no. Look, I'm not your enemy. If I felt it, I'd tell you, go right now. I'd drive you up there. But you need friends in your life that you know they don't have no agenda, but that they love you. And if they speak, it has nothing to make their life. It'd be much easier to say good things and make their life so much more easier than it is to say hard things and to make the relationship hard. But you need Nathans in your life. The second time we see Nathan is when David in, in chapter 12, verses 1 through 12, in 2 Samuel, we see David now has done committed an affair. And isn't it funny? Guess who God calls to go talk to David about his affair? Nathan. And Nathan is trying to figure out how do I tell the king I know about him sleeping around with his woman and killing this man? How would you do that as a friend? You're a friend. Nathan, in his wisdom, says, you know, I got a story. There's this guy who had a one little old sheep, and he goes into the whole story, and David said, I tell you, that person needs to be God. That person, and, and, and you're right, David. And then as a true friend, he looks at David and says, you're the man. And because Nathan is such a good friend, David doesn't have him killed or David falls before him and says, I've sinned against God. If I had time, I would tell you that Nathan is such an important friend in David's life that David names one of his own children Nathan. As he grows old, that name, he wants that in front of him, Nathan. Do you have someone so close that you'd name your kid after him? Because they've been such a vital part of your life. You need Nathans in your life. Lastly, you need Andrews. Andrews are bringers. Bringers. Every time you read about Andrew and Jesus, Jesus picks Andrew to be his friend. Jesus picks Andrew to be a part. Andrew's the one that goes and brings his brother Peter. When they get into situations, there's always those people that bring. In my life, I need people who can bring. I, I get into stuck situations, difficult situations, and, and, and I'll be like, I don't know what we need to do. I don't know. Man, I'm telling you. And then this person in your life is always the person who says, well, you know, we could do this. Hey, we could try this. 
They're always bringing ideas and always bringing stuff. You ever you got people like that in your life? They're not negative like, well, I guess it's over. No, they're, they're like, well, we could try this. You're almost like, that's crazy. But it's okay because they're bringing. They, Andrew is the, is the one to tell you how crazy these kind of people are. Andrew is the one that when 5,000 people don't have food and don't have, Andrew has the crazy mindset, I know what I'll do. I'll go find this one kid that's got five loaves of bread and two little fishes. I, I'll just get, I mean, it's, it's going to be crazy. You're, you know, Jesus is like, well, how are we going to feed them? And Andrew shoves this little boy. Well, we do have this little boy. Think how crazy that is. What are we going to do, steal his food? But Andrew doesn't think like, he just thinks, got to keep, just bring it. Just, hey, it's, it's, it's something. It, it's something. And you need people in your life who are always bringing new or something. Do you have those people? When you say, I don't know what else to do. Hey, we can try this. Now, you're not going to like it most of the time. Because it's going to require work from you, but it, it gives you the new step, the next thing in your life. I'm through. I got no more. I just want you to know this. You will be the average of the friends and the people you have around you. You will be the average. I try to run with giants. So at least I'll be tall. So at least I'll be tall. I don't care about being a giant. I just don't want to be small. The only way that's going to happen is if I spend my time around small people. I love everybody. But not everybody will get you to the place God's put in your heart that you're supposed to be. Does that mean you just dropped all those? No, I still have good friends. I have friends that I grew up in high school with. We play golf almost every time my birthday comes around. Now we have fun. We take pictures. We go eat. But I'm not looking at them like, hey, what do you think I ought to do with my church? No. That's for giants. And those are for friends that run with me in high places. If you're in this room today, more than any sermon I will ever preach, this is important. Who you're going to run with. Who you're going to call friends. Who you're going to watch football with. Who you're going to laugh with. Who you're going to do life with. Will make all the difference in your life. Will you bow your head? Father, Thank you. Thank you for all the people that you've let cross my path through these years of my life. Thank you for all the people that you've let be a part of my life. Now, Father, I ask you to do that and show that to the people that I, I love so much. I get a few hours with them every week. But God, give them people and friends and mentors that even when I'm not there, God, you can speak through them and you can show through their actions how they can be the person you called them to be. This is so important. Even your son called the twelve to be with him, to spend time with him, to be mentored by him.
God, I pray for great mentors. I pray for great role models. I pray for great friends that will be lifelong companions that they can remember and also dream together and do great things. Thank you for all the blessings in my life you've given through the people that I've been around. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Go make good friends.